Let's take our Bibles, if you will, and turn to the book of Romans and chapter number 16. Romans chapter number 16, we're preaching on this subject, finding yourself in the family of God. I can't tell you if you're in the family or not. Uh, only you and the Lord know. And uh, so it is the emphasis that as Paul wrote this great uh, dissertation on salvation, he closes out speaking of his new family, uh, the family of God. And uh, I read where when they erected the uh, Vietnam Memorial in Washington, D.C., if you've ever been there, just uh, slab after slab of stone with names of those who died in Vietnam, uh, some criticized it and said, well, it's useless. Nobody's going to come and just read a list of names. But they tell us that the most visited memorial in Washington, D.C. is the Vietnam Memorial. Isn't that amazing? I've been privileged to be there, and it is touching uh, to see to see a, 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 a wounded soldier in a wheelchair come up and rub his hand across uh, a, a fallen comrade that died while he was over there, or a grandfather run his hand over the son's name that died over there, or a wife as she looks with tears at the name of her husband who, who uh, died in, in that war, in that battle. And... Uh, to those folks, it's not just a list, but it's people that meant something to them. And as Paul writes this letter, as he closes it out in Romans 16, he's writing about his family. They mean something to him. And I want to say to you, thank God for his family. And as the songwriter said, I am so glad, and I am, that I am a part of the family of God. And uh, as we've noticed uh, some things about this family, we realized the last night that every family has a tree. There has to be that beginning, that starting point where you were conceived and born into that family tree. And of course, uh, God's family has a tree. And uh, that, that tree is not in Moses, it's not in Abraham, it's not in Noah. Uh, that tree is at Calvary, it's in Christ Jesus. And it is in Him we live and move and have our being. And uh, neither is there salvation in any other name, for there's none of that name under heaven given among men, whereby you must be saved. But I'm glad that I was born into God's family and a part of His family. Uh, there are some other things uh, that we will notice. The way we speak, we'll notice that one night, the Lord willing. I'm glad God changed uh, my vocabulary when he saved me, aren't you? Gave me some special words, but they're family words. They're, they're words that the family of God uh, uses. And then there are those family traits, uh, those identification marks that we belong to the family. I hate to keep emphasizing this, but uh, we have found out that ugly is inherited. So none of us need to feel bad about that. Um... I got a preacher friend in Kentucky, and he went to the hospital, he and his wife, to visit a, a lady and her husband, and she had had a baby. And he was standing there looking 
into the nursery of the hospital, and there were several babies in there. He was looking all around, but he noticed that there was one that was, really, he was so ugly, he was cute. And uh, said that uh, he had a full head of hair, but it just shot in every direction. And uh, said he'd, when he'd opened his eyes, he's a little cross-eyed. And uh, when he cried, his mouth made a big zero. And he just sort of looked at him. Said a little bit. He turned and looked, and here come a man down the hall. The corridor. And he said that man had a full head of hair, and it was sticking out everywhere. Said he was a looking sort of cross-eyed. Said he yawned real big and his mouth made a zero. Said the guy come up there and looked and he said, one of these babies is mine. He said, hey, right here. This is, this is right here. Right here. <laughs> That's horrible, ain't it? But it's the idea. We all, we get those traits. They're handed down. But I'm glad that our Heavenly Father have given, has given us some identification marks and some traits that remind others that we are a part of his family. But tonight I, I want to go a step further and I want to preach on those uh, family treasures. Those family treasures. I'm going to read verse 20. I'm going to go to verse 25 down through verse 27. And uh, I need your participation because as I read these verses, if you're a part of God's family, I want you to look into these verses and see if you can find a treasure that God gave you when you came into His family that you did not have before you were saved. So let's read these verses and see if we can find some things that... that uh, are ours because we are in God's family. Verse 20 said, And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Verse 25, Now to him that is of power to establish you, According to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest and by the scriptures and the prophets, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to all nations for obedience to the faith, to God only wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. Now Paul's writing to the family and in these verses, as a result of us being in Christ, uh, there are some great treasures that we hold dear. And I'm wondering... If someone here, by the raise of hands, saw something in this text that you have because you're part of the family and only because you're part of the family of God. Peace. Aren't you glad for the peace of God and peace with God? We've got victory. But thanks be unto God, which giveth us the victory. How? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now you've got to understand, this matter of being in the family is all about Him. 
all about him. The obedience to the faith. Thank God for obedience. By the way, obedience is for children, isn't it? Now, you're not trying to tell everybody else to obey. Obedience is for children. And it is obedience to the faith. And aren't you glad that God gave you faith? That to as many as believed on him, speaking of Jesus, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. Now, the only way to become a son of God is you must believe on him. But to as many as, him, as believed on him, the grace. Thank God for grace. Aren't you glad for grace? Unmerited favor. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that through his poverty you might be rich. Aren't you glad for grace? Unmerited grace. Power. Thank God. Jesus said, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Revelation of the mystery. That's what it's called. It's called a secret. Now, I don't want to hit that too much. But, you know, every family has a secret. Isn't that right? They tell them young and say, now we're going to church. Now, don't get over and blab everything. We don't want everybody to know it. It's secret. That's secret. You say, well, how do I know I'm part of the family? You know the secret. Huh? I'm glad one day the Holy Ghost came to me and gave me the secret. You say, well, what is the secret? The secret is his, his son through grace uh, coming to redeem lost sinners such as you and me. Aren't you glad as, as a 14-year-old boy, the Holy Ghost let me in on the secret? <laughs> I'm glad I know the secret. Wisdom. He is our wisdom. That's what uh, Paul said in Corinthians. Let me just mention some of the others. He talks about the gospel. Aren't you glad for the gospel? Which is the power of God and the salvation. And aren't you glad for preaching? And the preaching of Jesus Christ. The declaring of the good news of the gospel. Proclamation of Christ. Uh, and then he talks about the scriptures in verse number 26. Aren't you glad for the scriptures? By the way, when we talk about these inheritances, and that's what we're preaching on tonight, these treasures. Anywhere you find an inheritance, there has to be a will and testament that declares that inheritance. Well, i got good news for you, children. We've got a family will and testament. Right here. You don't have to listen to me about it. Just get your will and testament out and read it, and it'll tell you what you got. It'll tell you what you got. And uh, so we got the scriptures. And uh, in verse 27, something that the church has forgotten about in these days, he said, to God only wise be glory. <laughs> the church can have glory in him. I'm talking about family treasures. I'm talking about inheritances. Romans 8, 17, if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, we shall also be glorified together. Ephesians 1.11, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance. Ephesians 1.18, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. 
And uh, Peter talks about it. He says, To an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not away. I'm glad, children, to report to you that I have been sent to you to tell you that in this day in which we live, in which it seems as though economically the whole world is in trouble, <laughs> heaven is still very stable. And uh, heaven is, uh, is not fixing to go bankrupt. And God's inheritance hasn't changed a bit. But it is the same. And he has those blessings and benefits of being a part of his family that Washington has nothing to do with. And let me say that all governments today are operating in the red. They're all operating in the red. They're all in danger of going under. They tell us all these countries. The euro, the dollar is going down. <laughs> you know your buck don't buy much. And uh, things are seeming to... But I want to tell you something. God's economy is still in the black. God never got in the red as far as uh, his economy is concerned. Those family treasures, I'm talking about the fortunes and the heirlooms, the things that we have inherited because and only because we are a part of the family of God. Peace, grace, gospel, preaching, mystery, scriptures. And that's, that, that's not it. That's not all of it. We could go beyond that and talk, talk about forgiveness and righteousness and justification. And on and on and on. I had no idea when I came to Christ. I knew when I accepted Him that I was going to be delivered from judgment and His wrath. And I was going to be accepted into His family. But I had no idea all the other benefits that were involved. My goodness. The comfort and companionship of the Holy Ghost who is our who is our comforter. And I could go on and on to those many things that we have because we are a part of the family of God. Now, I want to, I want to just say four or five things about this matter of being a part of God's, of God's family and the benefits, the inheritances uh, that we receive. First of all, I would say unto you that Paul is writing to children of God in Romans chapter number 16. He's not writing to Rome, per se, in the totality of all of Rome. He's not, he's not writing to everybody uh, in the world. But he's writing to God's family because that's all it pertains to. Now understand this. That God has treasures, He has gifts... Uh, he, he has uh, blessings and benefits, but uh, this matter of grace and peace and joy and all of these other things are confined to a particular family, the family of God. 
Now, it may be egregious, it may seem to offend others, and I've already mentioned it this week, but it's true and it must be stated that uh, you're, you're not going to find the peace of God by joining some local club or organization. That's not where grace is. You're, you're not even going to find the peace of God by joining some, some church, if that's as far as it goes. But the peace of God and the grace of God and uh, these other great uh, treasures that we have, forgiveness and righteousness and so on, are particular only to God's family. You must be a part of the family of God. He's not writing randomly to anybody that just comes along as, as though that God pours all of his his treasures out and just slings them around as you would seed on the ground. But no, these are, pres- these are things that are found and are, are identified with and to the family of God. Those that have been saved, those that have been washed in the blood, those that have been born again, they are the ones that have these family benefits. And wouldn't you expect it to be so? You, you don't go to your next door neighbor and go demanding of him and say to him, well, I noticed you bought your daughter a car. Why don't you buy me one? Well, because you're not my daughter. Well, I noticed that, uh, I, I, I noticed that you do thus and such for your son. How about for me? Sorry. Wished I could, but I can't do it for everybody else's son. I just have to do it for mine. You can't, you, you can't place those because there, are no, there is no promise connected to those that are outside of the family. Uh, it, it, is, it is for the family. And when someone uh, is fixing to pass away, and they want to call the family in because they want them to know, give them their uh, goodbyes, say their goodbyes, and also to say, now, you know, this is what I'm going to do with all of this. Uh, They don't call in all the families in the community because it's nobody else's business. It is a family matter. And can I say to you that God has treasures and He has an inheritance But it can only be claimed if you are a part of the family of God. It is a particular thing. Uh, The heirlooms of God handed down through the generations to God's people. Now, the second thing I want to say to you is this matter of God's treasures and inheritance and benefits and amenities are not only particular to God's family, but they are precious to God's family. As he writes to uh, these saints that are at Rome, as he calls them by name, he mentions these things to them because he knows these things mean something to them. They do not stand out to everybody. They're not precious everybody. Most folks nowadays could care less about the Word of God. It's not precious to them. If it were precious to them, this building would be full tonight. 
as we have come to worship and, and enjoy those precious things that God has given us. But the truth of the matter is, to me and you, they are precious. And uh, they are treasures that, that we wouldn't trade. Think about grace. What would you trade grace for? Think about peace. What would you trade peace for? What would you sell these things for? No, they are precious. Peter talks about it. He said he talks about the precious blood of Christ. 1 Peter 2, 7, Unto you therefore which believe he is precious. He talks about precious faith in 2 Peter 1, 1. And he talks about those great and precious promises in chapter 1 and verse number 4. They are precious to us. Now, I, uh, I assume that in every church there are some folks that love to go to yard sales and uh, flea markets and and garage sales and things of that nature. Anybody like to be honest and say you like to go to them? Okay, oh my goodness. Woo! All right, I thought that was just for Southerners. Evidently, I'm wrong. Well, I don't, I like to go to them. I mean, I never have understood them. I never, you know, I never went to a flea market and bought fleas. I don't know what that's got to do with anything. I never went to a yard sale and got any yard nor a garage sale and got any, and got any garages. But we do. We go to those places, and and uh, we're going there most of all. You know, we just like to go and, and maybe find something that that we could uh, use, or something that we would like, and buy it and buy it cheaply, and take it home and put it up, and then sell it when we have a yard sale. Uh, But those things that are laid out there are things that are not precious to many people. And that's why they've got them there for sale. But I dare say that, that you folks that are sitting here also have some things at your house. Well, let's put it this way. How many of you have something in your possession that used to be your mother's, your grandmother's, your father's, your grandfather's? Would you raise your hand? Now, I wonder if you would put those on a table for somebody to buy. Now, there's several reasons why you wouldn't. Number one, they're precious to you because they are a part of your family. They have come down through the family generations and, and you want to keep them in the family and hand them down to your children. They are, they're precious to you, but while they're precious to you, they're not precious to everybody else. Uh, my wife's grandfather was an old-time mountain preacher in the mountains of North Carolina, passed away at 96, and I was able to know him for 10 years and sit at his feet. And the thing that I got from him is his cane. And that cane is in my study, uh, hanging just above a poem on and about preachers. Now, I dare say that that cane, probably hundreds and thousands, maybe millions of them that have been produced over the years, just a little wooden cane. I dare say that if you were to take it to a yard sale, flea market or whatever, uh, you wouldn't get $2 out of it. I, I don't know that you would pay 
uh, $3 for it, and, and most, most people wouldn't want it anyhow. Because it doesn't mean anything to them. But I want to say to you that if you were to come to my house, go in my study and see that cane hanging up there and say, Preacher, how much will you take for the cane? I'd say, it's not for sale. It's got a warmth about it. It's got a touch to it. It, it brings Grandpa's, uh, Preacher Will Cook's face to memory. And uh, you would say, but preacher, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll give you $50. No, no, I'm not going to accept it. But, oh, come on, preacher, I'd like to have that. I mean, I'll give you 150 for it. No, I'm not going to sell it. And I dare say now, listen to me, I believe this in my heart, that if you would say, I'll give you $5,000 for that cane, I think you would make me mad. And I'd say, look, I'm telling you, that cane is not for sale. It may not mean anything to anybody else, but it means too much to me. And you may be rich and say, well, now, preacher, I'll give you a million dollars for that cane. I'd say I'll sell you my house, I'll sell you my car, I'll sell you my wife, my dog, and you can have anything. For a million dollars, you can have it all, but you can't have the cane. <laughs> because it is precious. But it's only, don't get upset because Washington doesn't, doesn't appreciate the Word of God and, and, uh, and sort of laughs and scorns. Hollywood does, old-time religion and truth as they call it. Don't, don't want that. I don't expect that they are going to appreciate that because it doesn't mean anything to them. It's not something that they possess and, and it's not been, they, they have not claimed it, handed down because they're not part of the family. This book didn't mean anything to me. I never read one verse in it before I was 14 years old. But I'm going to tell you, when I got born again of this seed, there was an attraction of the Word of God in my heart and has been for 41, 42 years. I never get tired of this book, of reading it for the truth that is in it. It is precious to me. And as, as the songs of Zion are, 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 are sung, those are precious gifts. I'm glad God put a new song in our heart. Someone has said that there's over 500,000 Christian songs. And I wouldn't doubt that a bit. But while the Muslims don't have real real songs, they just chant, and the Hindus and all of those other things. I'm glad we've got something to sing about, and it comes out of our hearts because we're children of God. These truths are precious to us. These gifts that we see here are, are precious to us. They are, they are particular to us. They're only in the family. Now, I want to say to you, Heaven is a part of that inheritance for the children of God. But heaven's only for the family. You understand that? Heaven's not for just anybody. I know every time somebody dies, uh, we want to put them into heaven. But uh, heaven is not for just anybody. It's for family members. In other words, you've got to be born into the family. And when you are, your name's written down. And Jesus said, I prepared a place for you. 
I go, I'll come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. So I say to you that these gifts, uh, these treasures, these amenities, they are, they are particular to the family, and they are precious to the family. But then I want to say to you thirdly that, that these gifts that we read about here in this text are practical to the family. Practical. You know, my kids, if anything's, you know, troubling them to, uh, of a, of a uh, not a real serious order, they want to call mama. And the reason why they want to call mama is because they say that I'm too practical. I usually just say, well, do A, B, and C, and D will work out. Well, let me speak to mom. And then mom gets on the phone. Oh, no, and she just wallow around in A. They never go to B. It's just, oh, I can't believe it. Oh, honey, I'm so sorry. I wish you'd think it. Well, we're going to have to do something. I'm coming up there next week. <laughs> She's not here now. <laughs> And you better not send her a DVD. But you mothers know that. Uh, they want somebody that can uh, sympathize with them. That's, all, that's what they want. My, my son called one day, and he was having some physical problems. And I, and I said to him, I said, son, your mama is a woman. I'm a man. Why are you calling her? Why don't you call me? He said, well, I, mom just, you know, she sympathizes. And that's, that's what, what she wants. But you know what? I don't want a bunch of junk. I don't. You know the worst thing about Christmas is, is most time you get stuff that you ain't gonna use, and you're gonna, you know, and you're thinking all the time who else you can give it to next year, or something like that. <laughs> you know, it's stuff. But 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 you know what? When you and and thinking along the lines of these things that are handed down in the family. Now, I'm talking about this practical situation. Thinking about things that are handed down in your family. You, you raised your hands. Most of you did that, uh, that you, you had something that belonged to your mother, your grandmother, so on. But the truth of the matter is, most of those things are what we would call antiques. They are old, which means you have them because of the, they, they are they are sentimental for the sentimental effects, and that's wonderful, but you don't use them because in this modern age, there's nothing to use them with or for. Uh, I, got, I got my father-in-law's toolbox, his tools. Now you got to understand, he's, he's an old fella. He's, he passed away at 86, and, and, uh, and that's been, uh, that's been uh, well, 1996. His toolbox. His toolbox weighed as much as I do. I mean, the thing's made out of oak. It was like this, this, this. I'm thinking, man, it's a job to just carry this thing around. And it's filled up with ancient tools. It's what they built the pyramids with and stuff like that. I mean, the thing, you get a screwdriver. I mean, a, a, a screwdriver. It ain't no, what, no, no, I'm beyond even plugging in. I don't plug in no more. I buy them battery-operated ones, you know, just, and so on. But no, he's got one of them. If you're going to drill a hole, you got to go like this. Huh? All that, all that. <laughs> no, I mean, again, I wouldn't sell. I mean, that stuff is, is but, but it's antique. It can't be used in this modern technological age. Uh, 
mama's old iron made out of steel that you put on the old wood stove till it got so hot you spit on it and then you've seen the steam and then you iron. You may have that. But you don't use that. Hopefully. <laughs> you don't use that. But it is, it's, it's antique. But I'm here to tell you that the gifts that God gives to his children, the ones that he gave to the Apostle Paul, and he gave to the saints that were here at Rome, and he, gave, he has given to his children that have become, that have sustained them and carried them and helped them, and they have been able to use them through the ages. They, those gifts are not antique. They're ancient because they come from the ancient of days. But I'm glad that the gift of prayer works just as freshly today as it did 2,000 years ago. I'm glad that grace still saves today as it did 2,000 years ago. I'm glad the gospel still has the power of God today as it had 2,000 years ago. I'm glad that faith will believe and save you as it did 2,000 years ago. I'm afraid that the church is trying to upgrade in this hour. They want some kind of new approach. Some kind of a modern, a new modern way to take the sting out of the gospel. Maybe make it to where everybody can understand it and appreciate it. Well, they didn't understand Jesus and appreciate him. Why should they us? This gospel is not meant to be brought down on a level to where you take this. It has a convicting power to it. But I'm here to tell you that Peace still works. God doesn't have worn out treasures. He doesn't have used uh, blessings. Uh, no. I want you to know His, His mercies are new every morning. Thank God. His joy is still joy. It hasn't been diminished it's still real it is it's not leftovers it's not hand-me-downs but uh, thank God the Lord has has it'll still work for you today still work for you today aren't you glad it does it still works for you today if that's what you want it'll work for you today problem is this world again doesn't want that they want something different. They want something different. I, I notice in Larry King Live, every time he has a, a preacher on, the, on his show, the first question he asks him, he says, Jesus the only way. And, I, and when the preacher begins to tiptoe around that, I realize that he doesn't know the way. And I wouldn't waste my time going on there, but I'm here to tell you, but if he is to ask me the question, I'd say, Yes, he's the only way. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father except by me. It's all about him. And it's still all about him. We don't need a new way. 
You know what pastors tell me that the number one thing, and I'm, I'm fixing to finish because I know y'all got to get home for dark. What time's dark? 8.05? <laughs> yeah, when I see the sun setting, I'm quitting. Okay. But anyway, let's say the number one call that pastors get is what do you have for young people? I said, since when do we begin with the concerns of young people? I always thought it started it, it, it with, the, uh, with the family, the heads of the family. And if they get where they need to be, the children will get what they need. Amen. Huh? But I tell you what, our, in, our, in our day and age, what we're trying to do is build other arcs. We're not satisfied. Oh, we don't want that big old stinky ark of Noah. Ain't you got a junior ark? Or, or something like that? And then we to take our children and put them off somewhere else so when the Holy Ghost moves and folks are being saved where we're at, they're not there to experience it. <laughs> and you, I know I'm preaching to the choir there, but, but you know it, it, it is to be so. That it's, I'm going to tell you what we got for the young people. We got the same thing we got for old folks. We got the same thing we got for married folks. We got the same thing we got for singles. Same thing we got for people with three fingers on one hand, five on the other, two toes on one foot, and three on the other. It's the same thing that you found right there in that text. We got grace and we got peace and we got the gospel and we got eternal life and we got faith and we got salvation. And if that's not enough, then we got a problem. <laughs> Houston, we've got a problem. <laughs> and the problem is, you're just not in the right family. As you get in this family, and this does for you what it's done for God's family, honey, you don't want anything else. You don't want anything else. So these gifts that are so... Uh, that are given to these inheritances that we have are particular to the family. They are precious to the family. They are practical to the family. And then, then I want to emphasize this. They are personal to the family. This is not a group deal. You know, when we think about inheritances, and, and my time's running out, but when we think about inheritances, we... We think about when, when mom and dad... Passed. By the way, I don't know if this... this I'm out of the Bible right here, so okay. Uh, I don't know why you don't just go ahead and give it to them while you're alive. Because they're going to sit around waiting on you to die. How do you think they're thinking they're going to pay them credit cards off? In that house. Mom and dad's gone. Now they won't come out clear and say it, but that's, you know, that's just... <laughs> Ain't that awful? <laughs> but just go ahead and give it to them. And then, you know, make them take care of it. But, I did say that's out of the Bible. I, that, I mean, that's not, I'm, not, I'm not preaching scripture. I'm just giving you my little theory. <laughs> And I ain't that old. I, I can just see now my children's checking my pulse when I come in and say, how you doing, Dad? They're saying, how you doing, Dad? I don't have no money, but they know I've got an insurance policy. How you doing, Dad? We're having it rough financially. You are? <laughs> I'm doing great. 
kids. Let's go out to eat. I'll buy you a car or something someday or something. Don't wish me to die. <laughs> we might as well have a good time. We gonna... But anyway, where was my thought? <laughs> I'm talking about this matter being particular. In other words, when a mother or father passes off the scene, they have to divide up the inheritance. That's just common sense. They don't have. They they can't give. They can't give one person everything because that leaves the others out. So, and that's where the big fight comes in. They say, "Well, all he gave me was the barn. She got the house. He got the nice horse. I got the mule." And then you know we, we and, and they can be they get you know get upset about that because they can't give it all to one person. But, I got good news for you. Our Heavenly Father never had to divide up His inheritance. He that delivered up His only Son for us all, how shall He not with Him freely give us what? All things. He said, But my God shall supply all your needs according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now, aren't you glad? Let me just take a minute. Aren't you glad that our Father uh, doesn't have, our Heavenly Father doesn't have to divide up the inheritance? Because if He did, He'd come over here and He'd say, Now, I'm gonna, I, I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you joy. I'm going to give you joy. I've got some joy left over. And I've got some peace. I'll give you... And, and uh, I wish I could give you peace, but I, I give it to her. I'll give you grace. And uh, I'll give you forgiveness. And, uh, and, and, and you know, uh, I, I'll give you assurance. And, 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 you know, so we all come together, but we're jealous of one another. I wish I'd have got the grace. All I got was long-suffering. I mean, my goodness. <laughs> but no, our Heavenly Father's not like that. He's got enough to give you grace and mercy and peace and joy and forgiveness and salvation and give you love and joy and peace and grace and mercy and salvation and give you love and joy and peace and grace and mercy and salvation so that we don't have to worry about it being divided up. We've all got it all. And if you could get to heaven and look at the title deed to everything God's own, God owns, your name will be on it if you're His child. It sounds too good to be true. Well, not if you're part of the family. All you got to do is read the will and testament. You don't have to believe me. Get the will and testament out. See what it says. Huh? Now that ought to excite us in this day and age when we're waiting on the stimulus to get here. You may have already got yours. Mine hadn't arrived. But I've already told something. I'm sure glad they passed that Obamacare. I'm hoping one of you will have to pay for my insurance. I'm tired of paying for it myself. I don't know that it'll work that way. <laughs> but whether it does or not, I ain't worried about it. I was written down in the will of my father many years before there ever was a government. And my inheritance, hey children, it's not dependent on the stock market. 
Dow Jones and all that other stuff. Who is he anyway? One fellow said he must have been a Baptist. He's up one day and down the next. I guess that's so. But mine's not. I'm not worried about a job security and all that stuff. It's not based upon that. Read your will and testament. God didn't say he's going to take care of you if this happened and if that happened and if they passed this law and didn't pass that other law. It was settled in Christ. Thank God. Rejoice. It's taken care of. (laughs) Tell you something else good about this inheritance. It can't be taxed. There's no taxes on it. Now, they'd love to get that in Washington. Reckon how much they could get out of tax and grace, and mercy, and peace, and salvation. <laughs> Don't tell them, they'll try it. <laughs> but you know, we ought to just so rejoice in what we have in Christ and the promises of the will and testament. Now, I want to close with this, this illustration. And it's only an illustration. Okay. And I don't know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose uh, this brother right here for an illustration. Okay. I don't know his finances. I don't know anything. But, I, but I'm gonna, we're going to suppose that uh, uh, your name again? Doug. That's right. And, and we're going to suppose that Doug had a... A, uh, an uncle passed away out in Oregon. That, no, let's make it a third cousin once removed, way out in Oregon. Doug barely knew him. He met him one time. But the lawyer calls Doug up and says, uh, are, you, are you Doug so-and-so? He said, yes, I am. He said, well, your third cousin once removed passed away out here in Oregon, and he's left you in his will. Oh, he has? Been years since I've seen him. I didn't even know he was sick. Said, yeah, but you're in the will. But said, you'll have to fly out here and be here uh, Thursday morning to read the will. And uh, said, well, you know, that's going to be hard to do. And uh, I don't know how much a flight's going to cost out there or whatever. He hangs up the phone. He tells his wife, said, you know, I'm in his will, but I'm, you know, I hate to fly all the way out there and come back with a bicycle or something. I, I can't afford that. And so he, 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 but curiosity, you know, as, as any of us would, he flies all the way out there, but he, I mean, he goes downtown there in one of the big cities and it's in this great big old office. He walks in and he sits down and the lawyer comes over and opens up the will of the testament. He said, you're Doug? He said, yeah, I am. He said, well, all right, we're going to read this will. He said, look, let's see. Looks like, first of all, you get the lawnmower. But now, it ain't no ordinary lawnmower. It's a 62-inch cut, four-on-the-floor cab over air-conditioned heating, uh, CD player, uh, you know. Well, wait a minute. You're going to have to have something to pull it with, so it looks like it's got a, uh, something to uh, pull behind there. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, and so you get that. Oh, wait a minute. You have to have a truck. Looks like you get a 450 diesel here to go with it. Looks like it's new. Uh, you, you pull it with that. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. It's like you get the house. Let's see. Uh, 2,700 square feet. 27,000 square feet. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And, uh, oh, Lord, you ever been to, you ever been to Hawaii? You will, because you've inherited a house over there, too. Hallelujah. And, 
Now, I did say this was the illustration. Now, Doug, wake up. Doug. Hey, Doug. <laughs> Come out of it, son. <laughs> I don't want to do like the old fellow, you know, was in the hospital, had a heart attack, and his uncle died and left him $6 million, and they didn't know how to tell him, so they called his preacher and said, you go up there and break the news. said, we, you know, we got him monitored up and everything else. We're afraid this will hurt him. And he said, well, I'll, I'll go tell him. So he went in and he sat down and he said, John, how you doing? He said, well, I have had better days, hard breathing. But he said, doctor says I'm getting better. And preacher looked over at the monitor and heartbeat and pulse. Everything looked good. He said, well, John, I just come tell you that your Uncle Bill passed. Oh, he passed away. He said, I, I wasn't expecting that. I knew he'd been sick. He said, I hate that. Check the monitor. Everything's good. He said, but now Bill, uh, he, he, when he passed away, he left you in his will. He did. He said, yeah. But he said, now, it's good news. He said, now, don't, I, I just want to make sure you can handle the news. Oh, he said, I think I can. He said, well, looks like he left you $6 million. And old Bill, he said, he just, heart rate was the same. Pulse was the same. He said, well, the preacher said, I'm just, I'm just interested. Don't that excite you? He said, no, not a bit. He said, old as I am, the shape I'm in, I can't do nothing with it, no how. He said, well, I'm curious, Brother Bill. said, what are you going to do with it? He said, I don't know. I'll probably just give it to the church. <laughs> preacher fell over dead. <laughs> I'm afraid old Doug's heart rate's getting built up over that. But the old lawyer, he said, we're going to get down to the bottom of this thing. As a matter of fact, Doug, it looks to me like you get the land, you get the stocks, you get uh, the savings, the bonds. Well, as a matter of fact, you get it all. Now, if that was to happen Thursday, how do you think he'd be acting when he come in here Sunday? And especially her. <laughs> huh? <laughs> Everybody in here be your best friend. But I'm here to tell you that heaven has given us so far, so much more than the earth. It includes the earthly. Now, don't misunderstand me. That's a promise he gave. He said, I, try me. I'll open the windows of heaven and pour out upon you more than you can measure. Cast your bread upon the water after many days. It'll return unto your God's children. You don't have to sneak up to him like you're going to a banker asking for a loan and having to have collateral. The cross is your collateral. And honey, he knows your needs. You don't have to crawl in there like you're a little bit ashamed. He's your father. And he promised you he'd meet those needs. And go in before your heavenly father and realize that out of his abundance, he has promised you. Not only in this life, but in the life to come. Aren't you glad for what we got in Jesus?